Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me there at ENC McLaren. Subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, while you're there, subscribe, download, rate, review. Uh, it'd be much appreciated. Again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite hockey team every day. Let's get into it. It is Tuesday, October 22nd. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in town to face the Boston Bruins uh, this evening at TD Garden. Uh, we're going to be talking to Arun Srinivasan of Yahoo Sports. He uh, covers, among other things, the uh, NHL and the Maple Leafs for Yahoo Sports Canada. Uh, he's an old friend of mine from the score days, and uh, it was great to catch up with him and to talk hockey. Uh, so that'll be coming up here in a minute. Uh, before we get to that, breaking news, not really, but from yesterday... Uh, the NHL announced its three stars of the week, and Bruins forward David Pasternak was the first star for the week, ending October 20th. He led the NHL with seven goals and nine points in three games that week. Uh, first in power play goals and power play points with four goals and six total power play points. Uh, as we mentioned last week, he scored that four goals in one game against the Ducks. 19th player in a Bruins uniform to score four goals in one single game. The first since Patrice Bergeron did it uh, only not too long ago in 2018, early 2018. Uh, he also scored a couple against uh, Tampa Bay, one against Toronto uh, to finish off the week. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, he has nine goals and six assists for 15 points so far through uh, eight games. And last I checked, that was good for uh, second in the NHL in points per game. And that remains the case here on Tuesday morning. Connor McDavid averaging 1.89 points per game. Pasternak 1.88 heading into Tuesday's game against the Maple Leafs. He's also tied for the league lead in goals with Edmonton's James Neal uh, with nine goals apiece. Although Pasternak has played one fewer game. And Austin Matthews, uh, who I believe scored Monday against Columbus, he now sits at eight goals. Uh, speaking of the Maple Leafs, they played on Monday night at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that means they will have traveled after last night's game, and the Bruins will have that extra rest heading into the rematch from Saturday night's affair where the Leafs won uh, 4-3 in overtime. Uh, the win came courtesy of a penalty shot in overtime uh, as he was hooked by Mitch Marner on a breakaway. That's Gustav Nyquist who scored the game-winning goal. Um, so, yeah, an interesting uh, set of circumstances for the Maple Leafs heading into this one. Frederick Anderson got the start, um, and we assume that it will be Michael Hutchison getting the start against uh, Boston here tonight, as Arun and I will, will chat about in a moment. Um Anderson allowed the first two goals of the game on the first two shots from Columbus. Uh, Leafs eventually went ahead 3-2, but then the Blue Jackets tied and then went on to win in overtime. So 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what state of mind the Leafs are in entering uh, tonight's game against Boston. Uh, the other note for tonight's game that's uh, really neat is that uh, Tuka Rask will be playing his 500th uh, game. He, interestingly enough, is the uh, winningest goalie among Maple Leafs draft picks. So uh, goalies that have been selected in the draft by the Maple Leafs, he has the most wins already, despite not having played a game uh, for the Maple Leafs. And he'll be celebrating this 500-game milestone against the team that drafted him um, and then subsequently traded him to Boston in exchange for Andrew Raycroft. Um, it's interesting. Bruce Cassidy coached Rask back in Providence uh, back in the day and in 2008. Uh, yesterday he said, did I think he'd be a number one? Yes, he had terrific technique already at 20, 21 years old. He was good, athletically competed. It was just a matter of paying your dues, getting your rep type things for goalies, learning the little details of being a pro practicing well, back-to-back games. He did all the other things, compete, technique, good athlete, good hands, only a matter of time. And, of course, uh, he did bide his time, uh, backing up Tim Thomas there for a time and then came into his own uh, as the Bruins' uh, yeah, star goalie. He gets a lot of uh, criticism from the fan base. Uh, some of it is due based on some um, gaffes along the way. But overall, he's been um, as good of a starting goalie as the Bruins could have asked for over the last several years. He won the uh, Vesna Trophy. He's led the team to two Easter Conference championships, uh, two Stanley Cup final. He could have easily won the Conn Smythe uh, this past uh, final if the Bruins had won Game 7. I think he would have uh, been the Conn Smythe winner that game. I don't, I don't pin on him at all. Um, so yeah, it's a, a milestone game for Tuka Rask and, uh, we are lucky to have him on the team, despite all the criticism that he sometimes faces. Um, uh, and obviously it's been great to have Yaroslav Halak around for the last season and a bit now to back him up and give him the rest that he needs to excel when it matters most. Uh, so yeah, let's get into my conversation here with Arun to tee up. Uh, tonight's game against the Maple Leafs, uh, Pasternak red hot, Rask celebrating a milestone. Uh, we'll see how that plays out now that the Bruins are back on home ice with Saturday's loss on their minds. I'm joined now by Arun, uh, an old friend from The Score, and uh, he's now writing for Yahoo Sports. It's a, a pleasure to, to reconnect with Arun and, and talk about the Bruins and the Leafs, which we used to do. Uh, quite a bit together when when we work together and uh so yeah how are you doing Arun? I'm doing well um thank you for having me on um it's good to talk about the one topic that's more stressful than the federal election but we'll uh we'll get into it today for sure (laughs) that's right yes um yeah so Bruins Leafs they played on Saturday of course and now they're uh set for a a rematch on Tuesday. It'll be the Bruins' first game since uh, since Saturday night. The the Leafs are uh, will be hosting Columbus uh, right now. As we're talking, it's Monday evening, so they'll be playing Columbus in a little bit. Uh, but just to look at back at that uh, Saturday night game, uh, as a Leafs fan, a Leafs observer, someone who writes about the team, what what were your impressions of, of that game and 
what stood out to you uh, positively and maybe negatively from a Leafs point of view about that game on Saturday? Um, yeah, I mean, look, the familiarity between both teams, obviously the first thing that stands out, it definitely had the feel of not necessarily a playoff game, so to speak, but at least the pace was there. Um, right. And in the playoff series in the Leafs and the Bruins, I thought the operative difference might have been that the Leafs seemed a little bit quicker. But Boston's, like, overall team speed caught me by surprise. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it does, yeah. Because of, maybe because, of, like, the entry zones were just a lot cleaner this time around. Um, I saw something different from the Bruins, like, uh, defensive pairing, too, where, you know, they were really trying some of those stretch passes that they didn't really try in years past against the Leafs. Um, so I found it interesting because you see it with a lot of teams, even the like better teams in the league, they sort of show a deference for the league's speed. Um, but Boston didn't play that. Boston's like, listen, we'll counterattack you at fair value, fair game. You know, we're going to match your pace and we're not going to necessarily back off. And that generates a lot of chances. And, uh, Ian, my question to you is like, you know, a couple of Bruins players, they always seem better against the Leafs. Like Jake DeBrusque was flying out there and I don't think he really like, <laughs> I don't know, like, it just seems like the Bruins elevate their game against the Leafs. They're a really damn good team. You make you don't make sound like a final by accident. But the Boston team's speed was better against Toronto than I thought in the other games I've watched. <laughs> and it just seems like they're always better than the sum of their parts on paper. So Yeah, I don't know. It's weird with, I think, yeah, uh, especially David Pasternak and Jake DeBrusque, they both seem to really elevate their games against the Leafs, I think I saw Pasternak has something like, I think it's 40 points in 30 games against the Maple Leafs. And yeah. uh, DeBrusque, that was his first, uh, the first goal of the season that he scored the other night um, late in the first period. And he had another uh, great chance on a breakaway earlier in the first period. Uh, I don't know what it is about those two, but they certainly seem to, uh, yeah, really relish that opportunity to to play well against the Leafs uh, in terms of the speed. Yeah, they do have, uh, I know Carson Kuhlman, he, he definitely brings an element of speed to uh, the, right, yeah. the top, top six. Um, there's some question as to whether he's actually going to play Tuesday. He, he missed practice uh, here on Monday and he may not be in the lineup uh, at, and they might have to bring uh, someone up from the AHL uh, to take his spot whether that's uh, Anders Bjork or Peter Solark, uh, there still will be that, that speed factor from either one of those guys. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but uh, the Leafs and Bruins seem to bring out, uh, yeah, just that extra bit of skill and speed that really make for entertaining, entertaining hockey, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you touched on David Pasternak quickly. I mean, I know we got a lot to touch on, but, there might he might be the forward in the league that scares me the most as a Leafs fan, honestly. Um, just he's been on fire, but I think there's something about him. He's got the release. He's got it all. Um, and I think too, it's like the Leafs often have a trouble picking up that winger who crashes the net, so to speak. You know, if you have someone who's driving the traffic, they always forget the trailer. That seems to be a common theme through what has been what five three one, so nine games so far. Yeah. They're forgetting yep. the trailer. They're they're forgetting the person who crashes the net and. Um, I think when Boston kind of establishes a cycle there, they that's where they really wreak havoc on the Leafs too, you know. Mm -hmm. So like, and so, but that's kind of what you expect from Boston, it's, it's, you know, to establish a cycle and then kind of wreak havoc, crashing the net. But that element of just playing, you know, a 200 foot game, full speed, 
that was impressive. Uh, but Tuesday's match is going to look a little different, right? You know, there's me, Michael Hutchinson in that for the least, and yeah, scary hours. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I was going to bring up next. Actually, there was a lot made uh, Monday after Leafs practice about Babcock's kind of hard stance on uh, starting Anderson in the first game of back-to-backs and then going with uh, the backup, whoever that is, uh, in the second game. Right now, that's Michael Hutchinson. Um, Babcock really seems adamant about putting the team's best foot forward on in the first game, so that they make sure that they have their A lineup to get that win and then, and then kind of roll the dice a bit in the second game. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on that strategy? And, and what have, uh, what have you thought about Hutchison so far this season? I guess he's started twice. He's Oh one with an eight, eight, six save percentage. So not a huge sample size, but uh, what are your thoughts on? Yeah. Babcock's kind of philosophy there and, and Hutchison's chances uh, on Tuesday. Okay, so yeah, let's um let's start with Babcock. I can understand why he's getting a little bit frustrated with, you know, the constant line of questioning about, you know, starting your backup on night two. Like, look, there seems to be this notion that the Leafs can't win without Frederick Anderson. Whether that's true or not, the he needs rest. He's faced the most volume out of any goaltender in the NHL by far. Totally, yeah. Signing the Leafs. So for me, you know, if I'm looking at it from the Leafs perspective or Leafs fan perspective, rather there has to be a concerted effort to, to rest Frederick Anderson. And, you know, is it unfortunate that it's coming against Boston in Boston on the second night of a back-to-back? Of course, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate. But, look, Michael Hutchinson is receiving a NHL contract, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds really reductionist, but at some point, you have to expect your goaltender to win a couple of games for you, you know. Right. Or he hasn't, but to that end, like, Michael Hutchinson hasn't inspired any confidence whatsoever. Right, yeah. Nice. Like, I know that Toronto media can be notoriously tough on goaltenders, um, but he hasn't really shown the making um, of an NHL caliber goaltender at any point. I mean, right. with that said, with that said, it's just like, what's Babcock supposed to do? Play Frederick Anderson back-to-back and run the risk of getting him hurt in, you know, what, October, late October? Right. You know, and just derail the team's very real Stanley Cup bid? Yeah. Um you know, I mean, this yeah, year might be the year. Sorry, so, so Mike Babcock's in a, in a tough situation there. I mean, listen, yeah. I haven't been the biggest fan of him over the last year and a half. You know, we can get on Babcock for a number of things, notably his, you know, his forward line combos. But uh, the more rest for Freddie, the better. And the fact that it leads to it being on a Tuesday night in Boston on a back-to-back, it's unfortunate timing. But yeah. at the end of the day, listen, listen Hutchinson, you're an angel goaltender go out there and it's the Boston Bruins. Like you, your contract's going to look the same, whether you're facing Patrice Bergeron or whether you're facing some scrubs. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Well, while you are talking, I was just thinking too about Babcock's philosophy there and, and say that he was to start um, Hutchinson against a team like Columbus um, who had success last year. They've perceived to have taken some steps back coming into this season, obviously with, losing a bunch of marquee players and then you throw, you decide to throw out uh, Hutchinson at them. You're kind of signaling to them. In my mind, you're kind of giving them some, some of that proverbial uh, bulletin board material because you're saying to them that they're not worth starting Frederick Anderson against in some ways. Do you know what I mean? So they're kind of 
that would be sending a message oh. that they believe Columbus is the weaker opponent, that it's kind of a uh, easier win for them, and then you kind of be giving Columbus that extra motivation to to just prove prove that wrong. So it's like you're saying, it's kind of a a rock and a hard place for for Babcock in some ways. And uh, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with with starting Anderson in the first game just to yeah send that message that it doesn't matter who you're playing. Uh, you need to put your best foot forward. And then same for Hutchison. It doesn't matter what your opponent will be. You need to be ready to come in and, and prove, prove your worth at the NHL level, no matter what the situation is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily going to serve as the one point I disagree with you there is like, I don't think it's necessarily going to serve as Bolton board material for Columbus. You know, I right. think, you know, John, John Tortorella is already a pretty good motivator as, <laughs> yeah. as it is. Right. So, um, and I, you know, it's an NHL game. It's an NHL regular season game in October against a very good team. And so I think Columbus is yeah. treating this game as they as they would against Tampa or Boston or Toronto or Washington or you know the very you know the number of handful of teams that are really have genuine cup aspirations, right? So right. I don't think it's necessarily any any motivation for Columbus. But yeah, to your point about it being, um, you know, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, um, it's not ideal, but look. Here's the thing, like, I guess the way I look at it from a positive, and I try to be positive about the Leafs, is, like, let's say Michael Hutchinson balls out against against Boston on the road, right? You know, right. listen, because if, if everyone's expecting him to fail anyway, I think it's one of the best teams in the league on the road, you know, okay, that's status quo. But if, it can only uh, – it will speak volumes, perhaps, for his confidence if Michael Hutchinson can get a quality start against. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if he comes through and – yeah, so do I see it as, like, unlikely? No. Do I think Babcock should have started Hudson against Corpusalo tonight? Or, I don't know, maybe. But this seems to me just like, you know, typical October bulletin board material. Like, it's a right. little – no real narrative really emerged. I get that it's key to win every divisional game, especially in the vaunted division that Toronto Boston occupy. I mean, it's the playoff setup is so ludicrous that it doesn't reward, um, you know, good teams. That's not a yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, look, it's a, it's an uncomfortable place. And if Boston peppers Toronto with 46 shots again, it could be a long night. But, you know, right. at, the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, Frederick Anderson's volume has been ridiculous. The more rest he can get, the better. And it seemed at the start of the year that Babcock was, like, reticent um, mm-hmm. against running kind of a load management program for Anderson, so to speak. Um, so if he's doing anything to um, – to give Freddie some rest, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. Uh, the other one last thing I wanted to, to touch on was obviously Tavares. He's out of the lineup for a, a couple of weeks here, and the Leafs are counting on uh, some players to step up in his absence. Uh, one of the guys who got a bump into the top six was uh, Alexander Kerfoot, a newcomer from uh, Prado. He was involved in the in the Cadre trade. Um, and also Ilya Mikheyev, he, he's been uh, really great to start the season with with three goals and four assists. Uh, what are your early impressions on those two players? And do you think they can uh, sustain this early offensive bump uh, for the Leafs? It's a good way of framing it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, both quality players. I think starting with Mikheyev was kind of an unknown quantity, unless you really are watching KHL that heavily. Um, but he impressed Babcock right away from the start of camp. Um, I think with both of these guys, though, it's really about expectation management as it relates to the roles on the team. 
Because right. not only when Tavares comes back, but when Zach Hyman comes back, you know, is Ilya McKay going to get that type of, um, you know, those top six chances afforded to him? I don't know. Um, he has proven himself to be an early favorite of Babcock, though, and he's got some skill. So, like, is it sustainable? I have no sample size to really build this off because he didn't play in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, for him, yeah. So, for so, sure. math, so, yeah. so, so math, mathematically trying to project McKay becomes a little bit difficult. From the eye test, though, sure, I see no reason why not. Um, as for Kerfoot, it's a little bit different. Like, Kerfoot fits a more defined role in that sense because, you know, he was traded for Kadri so, uh, you know, directly. Like, you know, in the sense that, listen, you know, he's obviously got that test and Barry, that's huge. But when Kerfoot was thrown in, I was like, okay, this seems to be um, a piece that can kind of fit in for Kadri immediately. And they're different players. Um, but what I've, I've liked from Kerfoot is that, he, you know, his speed game's excellent. It fits in right with the team. He can straight up fly. Um, and like Kadri, he doesn't really have like, a great shot. Most of his goals are scored from like 10 feet in, right? So right. Um, to me, it's like Alex Kerfoot, you get a guy who's a pretty damn good face-off man. Um, really, really good skater. Um, and then sort of stylistically in terms of like how he scores is similar to Kadri. So I'm fine with it. And he played well against Boston. Um, mm-hmm. As it relates to him going forward, though, like Alex Kirk is not going to be a guy that the Leafs are going to expect for offense. So he's really a guy that you know, you judge your, um, you know, you judge progress on. Okay, does he finish like in the top twenty percent of faceoffs one in the NHL? So, right. Can you trust him defensively? You know, anytime a Leafs center is defensively responsible, the media makes him out to be a selkie candidate, and that's Kirk well, <laughs> not going to be that. But you know, is he going to be defensively responsible for the Leafs? You know, can he um, take on some elite teams' top players? And mm-hmm. so far, so good. Um, so I've liked the early returns on what Alex Kerfoot's done um, for the Leafs. But I would think with him, you're not necessarily judging from production necessarily. Although he has three goals, five points, and it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Not bad start of the year at all. Yeah. Any stretch. Um, McCabe yeah. is more interesting. He's got the skill set. But there's just no like data point for me to really um, make a predictive course here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And then, we'll, and then one other guy, if I can quickly add in, is Trevor Moore, yeah, also sure. a Babcock favorite. Um, right. He seems to be the guy that that might be the biggest beneficiary with guys out, because like he's okay. sort of like he can retrieve, he can retrieve pucks, he can play, he can play a bottom six game, he can play a top six game. In his chances in playing kind of more of a scoring winger role, he's you know he's done well there. So if there's any Leafs forward that could be the biggest. Um, Benef- uh, beneficiary of guys being out. I think it's going to be Trevor Moore. All right, cool. Yeah, well, that's something to keep an eye on for Tuesday's game. Uh, like we said, the Leafs and Bruins set to play again in Boston on Tuesday. Uh, thanks so much, Arun, for, for taking the time to chat. Uh, where can people find you and find your find you on Twitter and find your, your uh, writing these days? Okay, so on Twitter, I'm at Arun Things, A-R-U-N things all one word very good um, handle you, yeah you can find jay yeah, i guess so um <laughs> you can find my you can find my writing at yahoo sports canada um primarily and yeah that's where i've been working uh, for the last little bit um yeah so you can find me on twitter at rune things you can find me on instagram at the rune turn of Athen, but um i assure you i'm not that interesting a follow um <laughs> and yeah that's i guess that's that's the plug for me cool well thanks so much Arun, and uh We'll try to connect again later on the season when uh, Leafs and Bruins uh, play again. Thanks again to Arun for taking some time to chat. Uh, do follow him on Twitter and read his stuff at uh, Yahoo Sports Canada. 
Uh, he's a great, uh, great writer and uh, really knows, really knows his stuff, obviously. Uh, so to finish off the show today, I think we're going to skip uh, three up, three down for the uh, maybe one of you who is looking forward to that. Try to fit it in tomorrow if there aren't any questions for the mailbag. Um, as we do every day, let's take a quick look around the NHL and see some storylines that uh, emerged from Monday. Uh, one of the big stories was the St. Louis Blues defeating the Colorado Avalanche 3-1, handing them their first regulation loss of the season. Uh, most notably in that game was a somewhat gruesome-looking injury suffered by star winger Miko Rantanen. If you saw the gif or stills on Twitter, you'd notice that his uh, foot was kind of pointing in the wrong direction. Uh, he'll be reevaluated re here on Tuesday, and uh, hopefully he's not out for too long of a time because he's a very entertaining player to watch. Um, I mentioned the three stars of the week, Pasternak number one. Uh, second star was defenseman John Carlson from the Washington Capitals. And third star was Buffalo Sabres goaltender, uh, Carter Hutton. I mentioned yesterday that Carlson leads the NHL in points with 18 through 10 games, three goals and 15 assists. Remarkable start for that uh, defenseman and uh, kind of a guy who flies a bit under the radar, but if you lucked out and picked him in fantasy, uh, you're laughing right now. Elsewhere, the Dallas Stars uh, defeated the Ottawa Senators 2-1, but the bigger story in Dallas was a tornado that ripped through the area uh, over the weekend on Sunday uh, is crazy. Ben Bishop's house was affected. He was at home with his family. I believe he, uh, you know, ran into the bathroom with his kid uh, to keep him safe. And then uh, Jamie Ben uh, came by later on to bring his family over to his house, um, which is really cool to see. Uh, kind of teammates sticking up, sticking out for each other despite uh, rough starts to the season. Obviously, there's things that are much more bigger and important than hockey. So, uh, kind of a neat story there in uh, Dallas, and hopefully, uh, Bishop and his family can get settled again soon, and uh, everybody else affected can, uh, you know, get it back into their homes soon as well. I should note one more thing about the Bruins before we uh, sign off for today. Uh, David Krejci will not play tonight versus Toronto. And Carson Kuhlman, who blocked a shot in Saturday's game in Toronto, did not practice on Monday. So uh, he's questionable as well. Uh, during practice, I believe uh, Brett Ritchie was skating on the second line uh, with Coyle and DeBrusque. And then back is skating with Lindholm and Heinen on the third line with Nordstrom, Corrali, Wagner. Um, on the fourth line. So it'll be interesting to see if that lineup sticks or if someone's called up for the game against uh, Toronto tonight. Obviously, Richie, Backus, Wagner following Pasternak on the right side is not really ideal. Um, very slow and not much skill on that right side beyond Pasternak. Uh, so it'd be great to see maybe some uh, youth and speed injected by way of the AHL, wink, wink, Anders Bjork, perhaps. I could see him coming up, skating on the third line with Heinen going over to the right side, Bjork going on his natural left side. Just a thought. We'll see if they believe uh, Bjork has done enough to warrant a call-up or if they want him to get some more seasoning in the AHL for a couple more weeks at least. Uh, Peter Solerik 
could be called up, but he'd have to go through waivers to be sent back down. And I believe they're possibly concerned that he would be claimed, although he wasn't earlier uh, in the season. So uh, interesting times with the Bruins right side. Hopefully Kuhlman's good to go, but if not, uh, keep an eye on Twitter and I'll be sure to share uh, any updates at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And uh, yeah, so that's today's show. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for all the support so far. Thank you for bearing with me as I uh, just continue to grow and learn and uh, try to get better every day with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Please download, rate, review, tell your friends uh, and anyone in your life who has an appreciation for the black and gold. I'll be back tomorrow, of course. This is a daily Boston Bruins podcast. I'll open up the mailbag today, so if you have any questions about the team, about me, about pop culture, anything at all, feel free to shoot me uh, an at on Twitter or email the show at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. So that's it for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, friends. Have a good one. Go Bruins.